Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, June the 24th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are talking about my million-dollar car. In fact, I drove this bad boy to work today. This beautiful 2008 Honda Accord, about 167,000 miles on it. Features, absolutely none, but probably one of the smartest things I ever did when I was a young knucklehead doing a lot of things wrong. That was one thing I did right, and uh, that's the basis of the episode today, hopefully to help a lot of you guys, whether you're young, middle-aged, or old, uh, you can make a couple decisions in your life that can change the trajectory of a lot of things, one being your finances included. And uh, we'll dig into all that stuff here today. But before I go into uh, the origin story of this uh, beast of a machine that sits here, uh, a couple housekeeping things. One, the Jeremy Scott Fitness app, we are going to throw a major transformation challenge in there. And the site is already live. By the time you listen to this, I'm probably going to have put it into our Instagram bio and I'll share a lot of this stuff in the upcoming week, and then obviously the week of the 4th of July, and then when we're ready to kick off. But we are running a five-week Summer Metcon Challenge inside of the app. Uh, the site is jeremyscottfitness.app slash challenge. If you go to the app main page, it should pop up in the right-hand corner. You guys will see it. You can register now. You can grab a spot. If you're already in the app, it's going to be free, which is ridiculous for a lot of reasons. I'll get into in a second. And if you're new, you've never been on you can actually do the $1 trial uh, to get in to the five-week challenge. Now, typically, we sell this for about 200 bucks a person, and we're doing it for app members for nothing, and anybody else can sign up for a dollar. Uh, either these are some of the smartest things I've ever done or the dumbest things I've ever done, so I'm going to find out one way or another business-wise. But it's uh, five weeks long. We took two of my fave things our Sunday Advanced Metcons, and our Mandatory Mobility, and we married them together to give you guys something that is going to rip your face off, but in a safe, healthy way, and hopefully help you move better and feel better and learn a lot about mobility in your body and honestly what level of fitness you're truly at. Now, if that wasn't sick enough, we're doing a grand prize for this, and we're going to do weekly prizes uh, through the entire program. So all five weeks, we'll be doing uh, athletic greens giveaways, uh, swag apparel from us, JLab, Beam, if you want to do FaceTime calls with me, just a lot of things to give you guys value and hopefully uh, keep it fun along the way. But the grand prize is a fitness vacation to beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. We're going to give you guys a three-night free stay at the Epic Savannah Wellness Resort and Spa, which I'll actually be going to the week before this starts. I'll do a lot of videos on it. We'll talk about it. Heather and I have stayed there. We've partnered with this resort. It's amazing. Uh, it's just north of Scottsdale here uh, from the gym, probably 20, 25 minutes at most. They have one of my favorite spas uh, in all the world. It's close enough to the city, but it's tucked away where you're there. Uh, the food, amazing. It's just a, it's a legit spot. So we're giving that away. 
Um, obviously, we'll invite you to come train at our headquarters here uh, with myself and all of our staff. We'll give you a, a complete uh, supplement package during your stay. We're paying for round-trip airfare for you, and uh, a lot of other stuff we'll throw in along the way, but that's the grand prize winner. So you get, we'll fly you here. Uh, we'll put you up at a super dope resort, which you guys are going to love. And uh, obviously, you can come here, hang out with us, and we'll give you a bunch of... Uh, swag and stuff from our partners on top of all that so pretty badass prizes just for uh for exercising and eating right something you should be doing anyway uh, but that is the grand prize so again if you got if that interests you at all and you've ever wanted to come to scottsdale and uh stay at a, a resort that's probably going to usually cost you uh, a grand a night and you want to get it for free and you want to exercise and eat right this is your chance to do it so uh, the site is jeremyscottfitness.app slash challenge. You guys can join. Uh, if you're in the app, it's already free. If you want to join and you're not in the app, it's a dollar for the first month. And, uh, you know, submit some photos and some other uh, things we ask of you guys. But uh, this is probably one of the dopest prize packages we've given away that's not in our 47-day transformation. And especially for you guys who are going to get it for about a buck so there's that so check it out jeremyscottfitness.app slash challenge and i'll do a lot more detail uh talks on this as we get closer but uh the program's going to challenge you uh not just your fitness level but your mobility level and it's going to make you better i, I promise you that and that's kind of why we're doing it to try to get it into as many hands of as many people as possible so if you have friends family member who uh, need an incentive to to work out and to train and to push themselves this is going to be it so share it with them get them in there um Maybe they bring you along um, if they win. So pretty sweet. Uh, also, you guys already know the podcast is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. The one thing I take every single day. If you guys want to check it out, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott gets you a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. This is the one thing that I always do travel with. I don't take 15 different pills with me. I literally just take the greens. I put it in a little shaker cup with some water, I slam it, and I'm good to go. I still eat as much real food as I can, but this way I'm getting probiotics, I'm getting digestive enzymes, and I'm covering the gaps in my nutrition that I'm missing when I am traveling. And it's just nice to take every single day, honestly. Your immune system, get all the vitamins, vitamins and minerals you need, and uh, you're rocking and rolling. So if you want to pick some up, and you want a free year of vitamin D, which you should already be taking, and five free travel packs, go to the site, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott, or hit me up. I'll give you a free sample pack. Uh, message us, uh, Instagram, Facebook, email. And I'll have Monica grab a pack right from our office here, ship it right to you. You can try it. Best tasting greens on the planet. You'll find out for yourself, and then get hooked up with all the free stuff from there. So message us. Otherwise, check out the site. All of the other podcast sponsors are going to be in the show notes. My friends at Sleep Sold Separately, JLab, where we get our protein, our turmeric, our collagens, Beam, CBD, which I take the dream product to go to sleep. If you guys want free samples of that, hit me up as well. But all that stuff can be found in the show notes. And if you need something, just ask. Now, this episode is titled My Million Dollar Car for a lot of reasons here. And if you go to Instagram, you can see some of the pictures of what I'm going to talk about as I go through here. And people who are super close to me uh, know where this podcast is going. Those of you who have listened to me you know, for any amount of time, whether it's a year, two years, three years, or five years, the life of this, you've maybe heard me reference this 2008 Honda Accord 
multiple times uh, for multiple reasons. One, probably being Heather uh, getting annoyed that I still fucking drive it and have it and maybe people talking shit about me not cleaning it enough or whatever it may be. You've probably heard it slip in there. Uh, And whether I do that consciously or subconsciously, who knows. But it's not just about a car. That's not what just this is. This is really more about uh, principles. It's about a foundation. It's about a lifestyle. It's about doing something today that your future self is going to thank you for and just delaying gratification for, you know, a little bit later uh, in your life if you're lucky to and just having a level of patience and making decisions that don't buy you out of opportunity, but buy you into opportunity and buy you a sense of freedom, um, buy you a sense of taking risks, buy you a sense of security uh, in a lot of ways. And I'll, and I'll touch on all that as we go here. And I know this is not your typical fitness podcast, but if you understand how finances work and you understand how fitness works, there are a lot of principles that mirror each other. And maybe that's why it interests me so much. And then obviously, because I grew up broke as shit, um, and I, I didn't want to be broke forever. So there's also that. But I do think I have a, a connection to the way money works and the way um, effort works in fitness. Uh, there's a lot of principles that uh, that do align, at least for me, in the way that I, I choose to think about uh, economics. So first, before I get into details, one, this is not money advice. Um, I'm not your financial advisor. Uh, I would suggest maybe you get one um, and talk to somebody you trust with money and don't take advice from people who um, aren't doing smart things with money. Uh, Sometimes that's your friends. Sometimes it's your family. Sometimes it's even your parents. But I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I'm not telling you that you can't go out and get a nice car. If you can truly easily afford it, please go do it by all means. I'm not one of these people who's telling you, you know, not to go drink $6 coffees. I'm drinking one right now. If you can afford it and you're doing all the other things right, then by all means, go do it. Now, if you're having money issues, if you're stressed out, if you're struggling, then I'm maybe suggesting to look at things through a different lens. All I'm doing here today is simply sharing my story of how I went from being kind of the average, you know, kid out of college. And by average, I mean, broke as shit, living paycheck to paycheck, which I'll talk about here in a second, to being debt free, to being financially independent and to being a multimillionaire. I mean, that's just, that's my reality here. And what I'm going to share with you here is is nothing sexy. Um, It's nothing earth shattering. It's just showing up, working your ass off, doing things consistently and and doing things at the right time that fit your life cycle. And I'm nobody to judge anybody else for what they do. I'm just sharing what's worked for me. And it's not a story of like, oh, look at how hard I worked and I pulled myself up on my bootstraps bullshit. Because here's the truth. Everybody who graduates college is probably broke, just like I was. And that's kind of what you should be. Like, you haven't worked. You haven't done anything. You You don't own anything. You have no assets that appreciate and value. You're just a young kid trying to figure shit out. And that's where I was at. And I, I didn't grow up um, with money. I didn't have a background in it. My parents don't have any. So 
I'm sharing with you what I did and what my wife and I did. And if there's things you can take from it that help your life, that's great. If you're 25 listening to this and you're making 400K a year and you want to go buy a Mercedes, respect, do it. If you're listening to this and you're 34 years old and you got $100,000 of debt and you're driving a, a leased Range Rover, it might not be the best choice for you in your life and your happiness. But again, I'm not judging. I'm just explaining to you what I did. And this is not a flex, a look at me, how awesome I am episode. This is just a story of basic finance, budgeting, spending less than you make, delaying gratification, being patient, and living by a set of principles to make money a blessing in your life, not a stressor. Again, uh, I'm not your financial advisor. I'm not your CPA. I'm not a, I'm not a money guy. I say it all the time. I'm a gorilla in a warehouse, but the reality is even though I I don't focus on just making money, I'm very, I'm very aware of it. How much goes in, how much goes out. It's, it's a business, you know, you have a PL sheet, you know, you're tracking leads, you're tracking conversions, you're tracking attrition rate. It's not, it's not rocket science, but it's something that I don't think many Americans do every day. And if you don't know where your dollars are going and you don't give them a purpose, odds are you're going to probably just spend them. That's the reality for most people. And honestly, if you think about how people eat, it's the same way. If you don't understand macros, if you don't understand calories in, calories out, if you never audit what you eat and you don't look at it, you kind of mindlessly just poop put food in your body and you can find yourself being 50, 60, 70 pounds overweight really quick. You can wander into being overweight. It's not that complex. You know, gaining two, three, four pounds a year, every year for 15 years, all of a sudden you're there. It's the same thing with finances for most people. They don't get 50 grand into debt in a day. They didn't just go out and buy a boat. I mean, some people do, sure, but most people, that's not the case. They just gradually spent more then they made and put it on a credit card or took out loans. And then all of a sudden it stacked up and they find themselves in a hole that's kind of suffocating. So I know we live in an economical world and the reality is you need a certain amount of money to live your life, to travel, to feel secure. And that number is different for all of us. I truly believe everyone can be financially successful if they're willing to work at it. The same way I believe everybody can be fit and healthy Again, if they're willing to work at it, and there's a certain level of education and effort that goes into that, that you just have to be willing to make. And one of the biggest issues I've seen over the years, why people fail with money, it's really basic. Now, I'm taking the microeconomy of Scottsdale, Arizona here where I live, which is probably a complete 180 from where I grew up. Not right or wrong, just different. Obviously, people here are Overall, um, way more affluent. Uh, They make more. Uh, They spend more for sure. And uh, a lot of people, though, and it doesn't matter where you live, if you're in, you know, Norfolk, Nebraska, or Slidell, Louisiana, or Santa Barbara, California, there's a lot of people who end up going broke trying to look rich. And sometimes it's young folks. Um, more often than not, uh, ego gets in the way or, you know, wanting to look good for friends and family or Instagram or whatever the fuck it is. 
Um, but it's old people too. They go broke trying to look rich. The whole keeping up with the Joneses bullshit comparison, you're flexing your, you know, cars and, and jewelry and the bullshit stuff. You know what I'm talking about. The they're thirty thousand dollar millionaires, as we call them here. You know, and again, I'm not judging. If you're happy doing that, respect. If you can sleep at night, um, living on the edge, uh, financially of ruin, then that's okay. I'm talking if this is a place where you don't want to be. Um, if you're, you know, leasing a car, um, renting an apartment, um, running your credit cards, you know, to their limits for clothes and, and for going out and, you know, to, to look fancy before you can be fancy is what I'm saying. And this doesn't got to be people who don't make a lot of money. There's doctors, there's lawyers who do this. They have monster student loans. They have monster house payments. They have monster car payments, or they got, you know, a boat or whatever it is. And uh, they're living on the edge, man. They're, they're portraying an image of quote unquote financial success, but it's literally fucking drowning them. And it is causing them much more stress and grief than the bullshit, you know, uh, comments and applause gives them, if that makes sense. Because the truth is, no matter where you're at, and obviously each neighborhood is going to be slightly different, about 65% of people um, live check to check, per the most recent stats that I could find. I think, you know, I don't know if that's the highest it's ever been. Depending on, you know, where you look, some people say it's 70%, 75%. I went conservative here and said 65% of people live paycheck to paycheck. What does that mean, Jeremy? Jeremy close to two thirds of everybody. So if you're in your hood, your neighborhood, your community, six out of every 10 houses are living on the edge. And that's not a great place to be. Now, obviously, there's neighborhoods where people are, are financially struggling. And there's neighborhoods where, you know, a small community, everybody's got, you know, more money than they're going to spend in 10 lifetimes. But on average, if I'm generally speaking, if you're driving around n normal neighborhoods, about six in 10 people are living check to check. So that's two thirds of people that if they didn't get a check, they would be in a world of hurt and scrambling and struggling just to make ends meet. And that's not an awesome place to be. And that's not where most of you guys want to live at. And I'm going to talk about real numbers here um, as, I, as I go through this about if it's really an income issue or if it's a budgeting issue. And those are two different things. So why would I call this episode my million dollar car? Well, I'm going to get into it, but I'm going to give you guys a real quick origin story um, of why I made the choices I made to drive this beautiful shit box for, for as many years as I have. Um, really quick, uh, my old man, uh, super conservative with money. Uh, I've talked about him on here many times before, love him to death, but he is, um, he's Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino um, by every sense of the word. He just didn't have a, a Gran Torino. He did have an old pickup truck. Uh, it was like a 78 uh, Chevy Scottsdale was actually the name of it. And you know the one thing, I, if I regret anything, it would be I wish I could have um, made more money sooner. So I could have bought it from him because he sold it. And uh, it wasn't that much money. Um, I just didn't have the money at the time. And uh, that would have been something cool I, I wish I could have bought and kept as like a nostalgic thing, I guess. Because I remember... Um, being in that pickup truck as a kid, 
no seat belt, no power steering, sometimes riding in the back of a pickup. It's the Midwest, dude. People don't give a fuck. Um, and I'm sure like my dad's smoking cigarettes as I'm riding with no seatbelt on, um, you know, through the city. And uh, times were different uh, in the 80s, if you guys grew up and remember. But that would be something I wish I could have, uh, I wish I could have had. But I digress. That's neither here nor there of this episode. Um, but he's conservative. Um, cheap, uh, you might say, uh, for some people. Uh, maybe that's where I get it. But the principles I grew up with were real simple. If you can't afford it, you don't buy it. And uh, you work and you pay your bills. You take care of your responsibilities first. And then you save, you know, whatever else. And then you can spend, you know, what you like on excess things. Now, my dad never made a ton of money. Uh, Not real savvy, you know, on investing. Didn't have the same education as myself. Not the same mentors. But didn't do dumb shit with it, um, to go to zero. And in terms of credit cards in my house, what he would always tell me is like, you're only using this credit card to build credit. If you're looking to maybe one day get a loan, you know, for a house or a car or, or whatever, you know, you you want to buy, you're going to have to not look like a deadbeat to the banks because the banks loan out money. And so he'd be like, here's your credit card. Just use it for everyday expenses, like if you're going to put gas in your car or something, and then obviously pay the bill at the end of the month. So my dad was uh, very knowledgeable, I guess, when it came to that. And those are some principles that I believe have helped me, obviously, to this this point. And also it helps um, being broke because <laughs> you don't have any money, right? And so I grew up in that household, you know. Um, real, real humble beginnings. Like I've been through before on here. Um, my parents were divorced. I spent many years in a two bedroom apartment, sleeping on a bunk bed, uh, sharing a room with my sister, not the funnest thing in the world. And, uh, my parents did the best they could with what they had never made, you know, real money. We didn't take, uh, vacations, uh, they, but they did the best they could. And we always had enough, right? Um, never excess though. And I remember my grandpa sometimes like bringing over groceries to to help us out, to help my mom out, you know, a mom with two kids. And, you know, my parents co-parented the best they could, even though they weren't in in the same household. But it's it's more difficult when you're paying two sets of, of a mortgage or you're paying rent and you're not sharing things. And that's a lot of my success is because of my wife, basically, obviously being a gangster and working and earning money. But being on board with a lot of the crazy shit that at least at first sounds crazy when you're talking about it in your 20s, when you're seeing everybody else do stuff and willing to listen to me or at least willing to go to these financial conferences and listen to people who are older than me, smarter than me, who have more money than me and getting on board with my plan. So I got to give my wife all the credit in the world because I would not be here um, if she didn't allow it. And I hope you guys all have a great partner in your life as well because it's really tough to do um, if you're trying to swim upstream, but your partner's trying to drag you down, it's, uh, not a good place to be. You got to have a synergy there. And so obviously my parents being divorced, you know, it's tougher. And I feel for any single parent out there who's trying to do it, man, it's got to be a real struggle, especially now how expensive everything is and how just fucked, uh, a lot of the economics uh, of life that are going on, especially here in America. But, um, when I share this, the one thing that comes back to me is always, you know, when I was a kid, I remember like eight, nine years old, uh, I got a Huffy, like a 10 speed, uh, bike for my birthday. But I remember my parents going to Shopco 
if you guys remember Shopco, I think they're all dead. Shopco was like the shittier version of Kmart. Or is Shopco the better version of Kmart? I can't remember anymore. Um, but like think like a really regressed, shitty version of Walmart with no like groceries, basically. Um, anyways, I remember them getting that bike for me and it was 100 bucks, but they had to put it on layaway. And uh, at the time, as a kid, you don't know what that is. And then as you get older, you figure it out. And I'm thinking, here I am, eight or nine years old. My parents got to be in their early 30s. And they got to buy a bike for me on layaway for 100 bucks. Now, I can burn $1,000 right now, and it doesn't change my life one bit. But that's the boat that they were in. And so when I start to have perspective as I get older, I realize like how much shit uh, they did for me. On a, on a limited budget, and it's super impressive. So, mom and dad, thank you guys. So, you guys get the picture. Um, I didn't grow up in uh, in Malibu, um, living on the beach. That was not uh, where I was at. So, obviously, I worked all my life, you know, uh, as soon as I could. But between playing sports, you know, washing dishes um, at Chula Vista is my first job, being a checker at Kmart, again, which is the, the rival of Shopco, cutting grass, laying sod, doing basic demo, um, construction shit, you know, just putting up drywall, you name it, anything to get a couple bucks, um, as I needed it for sure. So in terms of the vehicle, I never had a car payment my whole life. Not once. I remember my parents got me a 1990 Chevy Corsica for my 16th birthday, complete piece of shit. And I love that thing, man. I'm talking tape player. Eventually I put a Put a CD player in there, get some get some speakers in there, cut out the back seats so that thing can just bump. I mean, that trunk was rattling. Just a complete piece of shit. And I remember the Cadillac converter broke um, on that thing on Highway 61 as I was coming uh, back home into my old man's place. And what happens when the Cadillac converter gets stuck in there, um, there's no airflow that, that gets through. So your exhaust, your muffler, um, everything's kind of fucked. And so when you push on the gas, you get no power. And I could uh, basically kind of coast home about a mile to get to my old man's place. And uh, I remember this because he's like, you're going to have to take this to, it's called D's Muffler Shop. And he's like, you're going to have to take this to D's Muffler Shop tomorrow. I'm like, okay. I'm like, can we just like, you can just tow it there, right? He's like, no, we're not paying for a tow truck. Yeah. What does a tow truck cost? Like 50 bucks back then, maybe 40 bucks. And uh, my dad's like, no, you can just, you can coast it there. And with a straight face, like he wasn't fucking around. And I remember getting up back then at probably like 6 a.m. Um, to coast this thing to D's Muffler Shop. Now, mind you, I'm in a car and I can't push the gas because if I push the gas, the car dies. So here's, you know, 16-year-old dumbass me coasting this car down the street to get it to D's Muffler Shop with my four-way flashers on because I can't put the gas on because then the car instantly turns off. And so I'm coasting it half the way, half the way I have the door open and I'm kind of pushing it like I'm pushing a sled. I guess it's just, I could have looked at it as like great uh, strength training, but that's what I did. And uh, that's kind of the stuff that uh, we would drive as kids. Like we had various ship boxes, you know, four Tauruses, Plymouth Acclaims. I had a little S10 beat up pickup that I would drive in the winters. And uh, that was kind of my introduction to vehicles. So I was only used to dog shit, so I didn't need anything nice. And then, obviously, I graduate college and uh, get enough money together where we all kind of get me this used uh, five-year-old 
uh, Acura, just a, a two-door coupe. It's an Acura. It's a luxury car for me. And it was five years old at the time, newest thing I ever had. Um, leather seats, never had leather seats. Uh, automatic locks, automatic windows, automatic trunk. Uh, this is 2006, and I've never had these things. So I'm like, I'm the richest dude of all time. And I uh, had like 50,000 miles on it. The thing was awesome. And I drove that thing, you guys, um, until I totaled it. And uh, that, we're getting here to, to the point. Um, I love that thing. But I was going to compete in uh, the MPC Terminator back in the days when I would compete. And I have a photo on Instagram. You can check it out. I was driving to, to drop my dog off for the weekend because Heather was flying out to see family. And I was going to go compete in this um, men's physique contest in Tucson, Arizona. Long story short, I uh, crash into this lady who, it's my fault, I hit her from behind, although she didn't put her turn signal on and slowed way the fuck down in the driving lane, but I was not fully paying attention because my dog was next to me jumping on the seat, and it was my fault. But, uh, I mean, I smoked her. Uh, this lady had been like 70 years old. I mean, I crushed her car, um, total her car, total my car, uh, airbag goes off crushes me in the face. You can see the picture on Instagram. I have a, an airbag burn on the top of my forehead. My dog gets out of the car. It's fucking running around on, on Shea. Uh, some ladies at this church end up grabbing my dog. I'm there, you know, making sure I didn't kill this uh, old lady here. Long story short, nobody was hurt. Um, they could tow her car. My insurance paid for hers. They towed my car uh, as well. And I had the cheapest insurance you could have, meaning I had the, the liability, but uh, nothing for my car. So now I have totaled her car, which my insurance company pays for, and totaled my car, which at the salvage yard, I got, I think, 800 bucks for it total. And here's where I'm at. Um, I actually end up uh, taking Heather's car since she was going out of town. I drive down to Tucson, compete in this show, win it like a boss, but uh, I have no vehicle uh, at all at this point. And I am 28 years old and uh, had some amazing clients who let me borrow their Range Rover and drive it around for a couple of weeks and uh, which was super helpful and nice. So it pays to have uh, really awesome humans in your life. But I'm 28. I'm living with Heather uh, in my, in the condo that I own. I am making over six figures and I have some choices to make um, because I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. So I could get financed for just about uh, any vehicle, you know, that within reason, right? Like a Range Rover, Mercedes, BMW, whatever, you know, you think is cool. I could have afforded it at the time because I have no other debts. And uh, we're living together in my bachelor pad that uh, I own. And the, the payment for that was super, super cheap. So being 28 years old, I knew a few things. Number one. I knew I didn't want to make payments on a depreciating asset. And when I say that, I'm talking about a thing with motors and wheels. Historically, cars do not go up in value. If you have a collector's car, that's different. Typically, the car you're going to buy as your daily driver does not go up in value. Like a boat does not go up in value. I know the last two years have been fucking weird, and it's giving people the idea like this is normal. It is not. So I knew... I didn't want to have another payment, and I knew I didn't want to invest in something that was going to be worth less in five years. 
I want things to pay me interest. I don't want to pay interest for them, especially if they're depreciating, not appreciating assets, which I'll get to in a second. I also knew I would want to move into a house one day and not live in my one bedroom, one bath forever. I mean, I loved it, but I knew Heather was not going to be on the let's live in Jeremy's uh, bachelor pad forever because, uh, again, she's a normal human and would want more space. And we had a dog, and there's a lot of things that go into it. At some point, you know, uh, my bachelor pad wasn't going to cut it. And three, I knew if I was going to keep doing fitness, I would eventually need to move out of the space that I was in, and that was going to cost me um, – I don't know if it's going to cost me 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand or more. And I knew I didn't want to finance any of that. And what I really knew deep down was I wanted to own my own space. If I was going to continue with fitness, with owning a brick and mortar facility in our old place, I leased it for seven and a half years. I worked, I built this business up in a warehouse for seven and a half years in a warehouse with no air conditioning in Arizona. And uh, I'm very thankful for every client who ever came. And I appreciate you guys. And I would not be here if it wasn't for you. But I knew that wasn't going to be forever. And I didn't want to be there forever. You guys deserve better. And honestly, I was getting fucking hot in the summertime and uh, and cold in the wintertime for that matter. So I figured, you know, could I maybe someday save up enough money and own a space of my own? And that was kind of my plan. And those principles guided my decision at 28 years old when I could have went out and bought some stupid shit that the bank quote unquote or that you know Jaguar or Mercedes or you know Chevy or whoever told me I could afford but those principles guided my decision so I set a hard budget at $17,000 that's a hard stop now at that time I had never paid seventeen grand for anything other than the place I'd lived. I'd never bought a vehicle worth that much. That was insane to me. So seventeen thousand—that was painful to even say and talk about. But I had a hard stop there, and I wasn't going to spend a cent more. I was going to die on that seventeen thousand dollar hill. And I think some of you are like this, and I am the same way. I do not negotiate with myself, not with my mind. If I'm going to say something, I'm going to fucking do it. I'm not going to go back on it. Not $17,800. 17 is the max. I'm going to do less than that. That is the max I'm going to spend. Because if I sign a contract with myself, I'm not going to negotiate out of it. If I commit to doing 30 minutes of sled pushes, I'm not doing 22 minutes and quitting. I'm doing 30 fucking minutes. If I commit to, you know, rowing 20,000 meters with Jeremy Williams here, I'm going to row 20,000 meters with them. Like, that's what we're going to fucking do. I sign those contracts. I do that with everything in my life, not just fitness. I do it with finance too. And that's where I was willing to die. So in 2012, I finally found a used four-year-old 2008 Honda Accord with about 35,000 miles on it for like 16-ish thousand dollars and change. Paid for it in cash that day, zero payments. Never paid a cent in interest to anybody. I still own it to this day. Drove it to work here. 167,000 miles on it. Thing runs like a Lambo. Well, maybe not like a Lambo, but feels like a Lambo to me. I've driven a Lamborghini here uh, from some clients. It ain't the same as the Honda. But uh, the Honda's reliable, and it's fast to me. It's got a V6 in it, and it's got leather seats. No radio, though, but 
so almost 11 years. This has been my only personal car. I drove it every day. And I honestly say it's been one of the foundational reasons I became a millionaire as quickly as I did. Again, I'm not flexing here. I'm just sharing a story with you guys. In my mind, years ago when I bought it, I drove it out of necessity. Because I figured that's the only way I was going to get here. At first, that's what it was. Because I didn't think I would be able to do it any other way. And whether I was right or wrong, I don't know. Even though I was making money and a bank would give me a loan and tell me that I was crushing it, I wasn't rich. I wasn't financially independent yet. I still had to work super hard to get to where I wanted to go. And I knew one day I didn't want to have to stress about money all the time. And I wanted to feel a sense of security and I wanted to, you know, own my things. I didn't want my things to own me. And I think that's a phrase I'm going to repeat before I let you guys go. I wanted to own my things and didn't want to have my things own me. I didn't want to have to say yes to jobs just to pay bills. I wanted to do them because they were the right thing to do for me and my business and the people that I served. And so eventually, um, I just kept driving it because I realized what it had done for me. And what it was doing for me in terms of allowing me to invest in myself, um, in real estate, in the stock market, in mutual funds outside of that, and different business ventures. And let me explain here for everybody. I'm going to get into the nuts and bolts. The average monthly car payment is $644 for a new vehicle. It's $488 for a used vehicle in the United States. During the fourth quarter of 2021, this is per uh, Experian. This is the latest data we have. The average lease payment in that same period was $531 a month. Now, some of you probably have car payments and, and lease payments. Some of you are paying more. Some of you are paying less. But these are the averages out there. The average new car price reached an all-time high of $42,736 in July of 2021. That is an 8% increase from July of 2020. This is per Kelly Blue Book. The data shows that many people have been buying cars with auto loans that last nearly six years. That's the average. And the crazy thing is, I've done a podcast also on why I think car loans are stupid. Again, I'm not judging anybody. You do what you can. You do what makes you happy. This is not a place of me preaching. I'm just sharing with you what I do in my personal finances that has allowed me to be here. People are taking these loans for six years, 72 months of a car payment. That's new, by the way. That's not how it was um, 30 years ago. Ask your parents. Ask your grandparents. And the cars are getting run down, and they still owe money on them. So they're upside down in their vehicles, meaning they owe more money than the car is worth. So what people are doing, and this is, I've been to the dealerships recently, and I'll talk about that too. People are taking their beat up cars and those loans and they're getting a new car and they're rolling the old money from the old loan into the new loan. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So this car they're going to sell for less than it's worth and then the difference they're rolling into a new loan. 
and they just keep kicking the can down the road and that total just keeps going up and up and up meaning that payment keeps going up and up and up and it's choking people it's pigeonholing them and it is painting them into a corner and it's burying them under pounds of debt and interest that for a lot of people it's going to be real tough to get out of and all I share with you here was just the, the car payment. I didn't share the fees that come with when you buy a car, um, all the bullshit stuff they tack on, and not the higher registration and the higher insurance monthly premiums you have to have. Because when you don't own your shit, you got to have higher insurance premiums because the bank needs to know everything is on board. The car costs more, so it's more to fix, so that's more. And it costs more to register it. The nicer the car you have, the higher the things are going to be. To replace a tire on a 2008 Honda Accord costs significantly less than to replace a tire on a Porsche. It's just a reality. Now, obviously, but Jimmy, a Porsche is way better. I'm not arguing with you about that. What I'm saying to you is when you change the oil on a Honda or you change the oil on a Range Rover, it ain't the same, dude. When you replace the brakes on a Camry or you replace the brakes on a Mercedes, they don't cost the same. All those things increase. So let's do the math here on how not having a car payment helped me personally early on. Payment for a car, let's, I'm going to split the difference here of the stats I just shared. If you're paying for a car for 550 bucks a month for, let's say, 11 years, which is I've almost driven this car a full 11 years, it ends up being 72000 $600 you paid for the car. If you're doing this and you're paying for it over time, you're going to pay $34,873.11 in interest. Now, you might have a lower interest rate. You might have a higher interest rate. But if you don't have a car payment at all, let's say you don't have it, and you could have took that same 550 bucks and you could invest in yourself, right? Over the last 11 years, let's say that's me. I paid myself $72,600. If you put in a savings account, that's probably what you got. If you invested that money and you got 7% back on your money, so instead of paying you know, Mitsubishi, instead of paying Chrysler, instead of paying you know, BMW, you paid yourself. At 7%, you made $34,873 in interest. So at the end of the 11 years, instead of driving a super fancy car and always having a car payment, you now have $107,000 in your accounts. You don't have to pay BMW, Mercedes, Ford, GMC, whoever. You paid yourself. Think about that. If you just invested in yourself, your IRA, your 401k, or any other similar investment for 40 years at 550 bucks a month at 7% returns, which historically, if you look at 6 to 8% for most, you'd have put 264k into an account and you'd have made almost $1.1 million in interest for a total of almost $1.4 million dollars. That alone would give you almost $1.4 million in retirement if you did nothing else. You see where I'm going with this? I'm sharing these numbers because it's not rocket science and it's pretty basic. So instead of having a car payment for your whole life, I'm not saying don't buy a fancier car. When you're older and you got money, 
buy fancy shit. Even if you're younger and you have money and all your debts are paid and you're investing like you should, buy whatever the fuck you want. But if you're not there yet, pay yourself first, please, everybody. Because I can promise you, if you looked 11 years from now, would you rather have driven these cars to your same job? If you, maybe you hate your job, right? You don't like it or you're just driving around. Would you rather have driven those cars or would you rather have the money compounding and growing that you can maybe buy other things? And it's such an easy thing to do. If you don't have a car payment for 40 years, from 20 to 60, and you just took that money and threw it into an account, and at the end of it, when you're 60, you got $1.4 million and you just drove cars and paid cash for them, pretty fucking sweet place to be, right? The key I'm driving at here is not the, the dollar amount. You don't got to get lost on that. It's getting compound interest to pay you. You're not paying interest to other companies. They get rich that way. You don't. Appreciating assets are different than depreciating assets. If you go take a loan because you need to, to buy your house or your condo or whatever, or buy rentals, those are things that tend to appreciate over time. I think housing has only dropped once overall, like majorly in value. And that was 07, 08 when I bought a lot of shit and I got lucky. If you're spending money on boats and cars and motorcycles and ATVs, and you're not doing well financially, those things typically are going to lose value over time. Again, I understand you enjoy them and we use them. I'm not talking to people who have their shit together. This is somebody who's not happy with where they're at financially. They feel stressed. They want to make some changes. They actually want to build wealth. This is what I would suggest. Invest in things that pay you and that make money over time, whether that is the stock market, whether that is houses, whether that is rental properties, thing in businesses, in yourself, if you will. I think that's a way bigger ROI than you buying a you know, the freshest you know BMW that's out there. So now, because this beauty of a car cost me next to nothing to drive for years, I think the registration this year was like $41. Um, and a Honda is basically, you know, durable as hell and the repairs and oil changes and stuff are all dirt cheap. I was able to invest all that money and more month after month after month, year after year after year. It allowed Heather and I to take advantage of the stock market over the past almost 11 years. And that shit just went up and up and up and up. And we made way more on our money in the last 11 years than 7% during this time. As you guys know, you've lived in a, a really crazy era, uh, a whole different conversation. I, I feel bad for the, the kids who are younger who have seen this huge inflationary period that didn't own property and didn't own any stocks and didn't have mutual funds and retirement accounts to see what the last you know, decade plus has looked like since the meltdown. And so because I was willing to die uh, on, a, on a Honda and not spend money and have a payment, and we didn't have money. I, I need to say that. Like Heather and I didn't have any fucking money. We met each other with a negative net worth. You guys know this. We have a podcast talking about how we paid off our house. Um, you can listen to it. It allowed us to buy our home nine years ago in Scottsdale, which for a kid like me, where I come from, humble beginnings, living in a, a two-bedroom apartment, seeing my parents like work really fucking hard not to really have much. That was a lot for me. And uh, I, I live in the nicest place I, I, I've ever lived, you know, and I feel lucky every day and, and I'm truly grateful for all of it. And if this is, if that's where I lived forever and this is what I did, I'm like, I'm super fucking happy. I already won, man. But because I didn't have anything and I was willing to like, just kind of be smart and be patient and invest in things that went up in value, I could buy a house 
in my 20s in Scottsdale. And because the world went bonkers and crazy, and because this has become a destination place like a Nashville, like a Austin, um, I think my house is probably worth like five times what I paid for it, which is fucking crazy to say. I, I, I don't know if it stays that way. Who knows the future, but it, it sure is not going back to what I bought it for. And so it's, it's created this amount of wealth in my life I didn't think was possible. And it also, because I, I kept the same principles and I drove the same, the same shitbox for years, it allowed us to pay our house off in seven years, which is a big deal for us in our plans, in our life. And that's something that I wanted to do. And it also freed us up to buy commercial real estate and buy the building that my gym is located in now, which, because again, these things tend to appreciate over time is worth, I think like four times what I paid for it, which is crazy to think. And it makes me look like a fucking genius, which I'm not, but I was just willing to not be fancy before it could be fancy. I was just willing to live underneath my means and invest in things that were probably going to appreciate over time, where I could take that money and then buy more things that appreciate over time and kind of build them on each other without going into debt. So now like I'm here talking to you guys in this space, which I started doing this in, in the fucking parks, you guys. I started doing fitness in the parks before my corporate job and after my corporate job, sweating my balls off at five o'clock in the morning. And I thought that was awesome. And now I sit here today and I rent from myself, which is because of liability reasons and tax purposes. It's just, it's weird how it all works, but I don't pay a landlord, which allows me this financial freedom that very few people have. But more importantly, it allows me to be more generous with my time and my business practices and do episodes like this that hopefully help you if you're not educated on what is actually possible. You don't got to make $10 million to do these things. Yeah, I was making money, you know, in my later 20s, but I wasn't making, you know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year to do this. I was making money and I was smart with what I did. And every dollar had a purpose. And I had a conversation with my partner who was on board. Sometimes arguments, sometimes fights. And uh, I, I know there's days where she wanted to punch me in my face and thought I was fucking crazy and it had have been frustrating um, because you see other people doing stuff, you know, on Instagram or the internet, living a certain way and you think you should be doing it. When you're young, you're insecure and, and there's there's all that whole part of it. But, um, you know, she got on board uh, with it and uh, has been a huge driver. And again, I said I, I couldn't have done it without her. And obviously my car didn't solely do all this, but was one of the biggest foundational rocks early on for us because 11 years ago, $550 a month was a fuck ton of money. And that would have been poorly spent on me driving a Range Rover. Now, mind you, when I crashed my other car like a dipshit and got no money for it, I did drive around Brett and Inga's Range Rover. Thank you, Brett and Inga, for the, the three weeks you let me drive your Range Rover around. And I, I thought to myself as I was looking at cars, I was like, you know what? You better find a car quick, bro, because you're going to get used to this fancy shit. And, dude, you ain't rich enough to be fancy yet. So um, I got a taste of it, um, but it just I wasn't ready yet. And I knew I wasn't comfortable making those payments. And I, if I wanted to do the things in the future I wanted to do, I was going to have to just wait and uh, kind of buy my time. And I say this all the time to people, especially young kids who come in here um, and work for me and talk with me, or even adults, honestly, that want my advice. And it's not sexy, dude, 
just like my fitness advice. It's, it's you know, you got to eat right and you got to work your ass off consistently over time and then things will work out. It's not, uh, it's not magic. But in terms of money, what's helped me, just living as cheap as I could, as long as I could, until you're wealthy enough and in a place where you can really live different and you can afford to do things that don't matter. The car thing really was just the first domino in, in a series of choices. I guess if you think about it, it's the first snowflake and a snowball that turned into an avalanche of money decisions compounding for us in the right way. Um, because I've been lucky here. You know, I, um, I, I've done this for a living. I, I've stumbled onto Scottsdale. I didn't know anything about it. And I've met some super smart clients, some really fucking amazing people who were older than me, who were making, you know, some of them, you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they, they lived through um, certain economic hardships and they shared stories with me and I could hear what to do and what not to do. And I just took advice and I took the best of everything that they did and I learned from their mistakes and I just, I stood on the shoulders of giants. I really did. There's a lot of people I could thank. It's way too many to mention. Um, I just know, uh, I remember Brent Orm and I already knew who Dave Ramsey was and I, I don't, I'm not a, a Dave Ramsey like, you know pray to the Dave Ramsey, you know, God and everything the dude does. But there's some really basic things that he shares that are good for people who don't have any education on money. Uh, and I remember Brent Orm giving me the book, like Total Money Makeover, and it was really simplistic and really basic. And there's a lot of things I took from that. And uh, you know, Chris Hogan has a lot of like really good stuff. And then there's a lot of other dudes I, I've learned from along the way who are here. And uh, I just kind of listen to everybody. And I see what aligns with my life and my values and what was going to work best for me. And uh, I got this secondary education about finance, about business, about investing, uh, about real estate, both residential and both commercial. And I could see people who were doing it one way um, and people who were doing it the other way. People who were really rich and people who were pretending to be rich. People who were happy with how they spent their money and it was a blessing and a gift and people who we're living check to check, even though they were making five, six, seven hundred K a year. And that's real. And I'll talk about that in a second. So it started with, you know, the car money, obviously, uh, not having a car payment and taking the equivalent investing it. And then we added to it and added to it, which started new habits. And once we could see the progress um, and how things started to grow and add up, it was like fitness. It's addicting um, to see your hard work pay off. And, and some people out there who are listening, they truly do have income problems. They're, um, they're struggling to make ends meet. There's, it's fucking hard times out there for a lot of people right now. It's weird, man. Um, the price of everything is increasing across the board. That's our whole different podcast altogether, but largely in part by the decisions that the people who are in charge are making, which are fucking ridiculously stupid. And I don't understand how they didn't see this coming because I am, I'm not that smart. And I saw this and I was talking to Heather about it years ago and I'm like, this is just going to be a complete dumpster fire. So there are people out there who are struggling because they don't make enough money. But a lot of people, it's not an income problem. It's a budgeting problem. It's a not understanding where your money should go and how it should be spent. And it's not willing you know, to delay gratification for something at a later date. And it's not willing to use common sense because... Common sense money skills don't seem that common to me anymore. And like I said, a lot of people go broke, man, trying to look rich and just 
not having realistic money conversations with their spouse and, and with their family and, and having a real, I think that's what we do wrong in school. We do a real disservice to people and not teaching basic economics and finance because I graduated college, you know, cum laude, right? So I'm supposed to be super smart. And I didn't know a fucking thing about money other than the basic stuff my dad taught me is, is don't do stupid shit and get in debt. But I didn't know about investing. I didn't know about uh, different uh, investment vehicles and retirement funds and uh, buying real estate and commercial or residential or having rental properties, none of those things. And if you think about all the folks out there having $500, $607 a month car payments, but have no investments, does that make sense to you? To be paying, you know, Ford or Kia or Jaguar 500 bucks a month, but you're not paying your future self 500 bucks a month? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm not saying you don't need a car because a lot of people do, but until you can be there, like if you're going to be the man, you're going to be the man, you're going to be the woman, you're going to be the woman, like you're going to be a boss. It's probably going to take some time. And if you can't really afford to do it now, you don't got to flex and try to impress anybody. That's one of the worst mistakes you can make in life. Because doesn't a Honda get you to work the same way a BMW does? Like, is there any difference really? If you like the way it performs or whatever, when you can afford it, do it. But if you can't, a Camry's going to get you there, dude. The same way a Mercedes does. Who gives a shit what people on the road think? You know, and and I've shared this before many times. Like, all my grandparents are dead. All of them. And uh, my grandpa drove a Ford pickup. You know, my grandma drove a a Buick. You know, old people shit. And uh, my other grandma never drove. And my grandpa before him I never met. But when I think of them... When I think of legacy and I think of their life, I don't think of the cars they drove. It doesn't matter. Like, I think of them as the person and the memories we had. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in thinking like we identify with material things. We are not material things. Like, your car is not who you are. It's just what you drive. You don't have to do it to impress other people. In fact, I think it's the opposite of flexing, which I'll touch on. And I share all this because there's this fundamental problem in America we have of not really understanding finance and we're, you're letting all these companies and corporations get rich. You're paying them when you could be paying yourself. And if you want to go down like the retirement road, like, like what's the median retirement savings by age? I have the numbers here for the Federal Reserve. And this is like, this is the median, right? The median retirement savings per age. People 30 to 34. $21,000. People who are 40 to 44, it's 100K. People who are 50 to 54, it's 146,000. The highest number here of median retirement savings by age is 65 to 69, and it's $206,000. Overall, on average, households are saving about $131,000 for retirement while an approaching more generous figure comes in at 280K. So obviously they're going to go either median or average. Either way, let's take the highest, $280,000 to retire. How long do you think you can live on that? Seriously, if you have no other income, whether you think Social Security is you know a, a, a fairy tale or it's going to exist or whatever it is, 280 grand and you're 60 years old, 65 years old, how long are you going to make it? Three years? four years, five years, you know, at 40 grand a year, at best, you're going to make it what, eight years, and then you're out of money. 
again, I'm not trying to freak people out here. And again, you can have rental properties, you can do other things. I go, but a lot of people just aren't really thinking it through. And I would hate for you to get to the later stages of your life and have a panic attack and be like, man, I'm gonna have to do some shit job till I'm 75 years old, because I was doing dumb shit, driving a car trying to be fancy when I was 25. I don't think it's worth it, dude. Unless you think as you get older, you're going to have more energy and be more motivated to to work. But odds are that's probably not the case. And I tie that to the same thing if you look at the average credit card debt, because right now in America, I think the last two months, we have the highest um, ever credit card balance as, as like a, a nation. And it's just simple stuff. The average American credit card debt is like just over 6000 bucks. Like 6000 bucks, people have running on credit cards monthly over and over and over and over again. I'm not saying they owe six grand and they pay it every month. That tally is running at six grand. What's the, what's the interest rate on a credit card these days? 15%, 20%, 25%, 30%. Dude, that's like mafia shit. Like you can get fucking Tony Soprano to give you a better interest rate than that, dude. Like that's criminal. It's along like the speedy cash places, which is a whole different podcast altogether. My point is, is that do you want to be the average person who's living check to check, who will never be able to quit working and is paying 26% every month on credit cards just to, to live outside of their means? I don't think that's the way to go. Side note, Alaskans have the highest credit card balances of 8,000 bucks a month. Well, that's crazy. I wouldn't think Alaskans would do that. I don't, I've never been to Alaska. It looks beautiful. Um, they have the highest credit card balance, 8,000 bucks a month. Why Iowans have the lowest credit card balance, 4,700 bucks a month. Shout out to Iowa. Boom. Hawkeyes doing it. My point is you don't have to cut all your expenses. You don't have to not have nice things, but you do have to be smarter um, today and pay yourself in the future, just like fitness. You're working out today and eating right today. So your future self, thanks. You're doing mobility today. So your future self can move better and feel better. You're doing things financially today and enjoy your money and live your life, obviously, but understand how much you make and how much you spend and how much you can invest, but don't do something today that your future self would come back and punch you in the face for because you were being an idiot trying to do things you really couldn't afford to do. And John Goodman shared a great post on unhealthy behaviors, which he ties to finance. And he wrote, a 20-year-old who doesn't drink or smoke will have $1.5 million more than someone who does at age 60. And all he did was base that off of 15 bucks a day for cigarettes and $50 a week for booze at 7% annual compound interest, which is crazy, right? It doesn't seem like that much. Yet when you get to the end of your life or you get to the later stages of your life, you got a couple million bucks in there or these little daily habits you did. Now, I'm not saying don't drink, but I'm saying if you invest 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks a day into yourself and into your investments, it can be a game changer because you're paying yourself instead of the bank or the dealership or the credit card companies. Those people aren't your friends. You know, how do you think the shit in Vegas gets built by people winning. They don't build those giant buildings because of that. And there's certain rules, obviously, everybody can live by. Some of the ones, you know, if you look historically, like what tend to work, you know, house payment, if you're taking out a mortgage, you know, no more than 25% of your income. Um, probably take home pay is probably even better. You know, fixed rate, 
is going to be the way to go. So your your loan is not that interest only shit, not adjustable stuff, not those things that balloon and, and kind of blow up in your face. Just a a thirty year fixed. If you can do fifteen, a fifteen year fixed, depending on what your philosophy is, but. You know, if you're paying 40% of your income to your house, I think you're going to have a problem, especially if you lose your job or there's a shift in the economy. Auto payments, same thing. I'm not a fan of car loans. I would, my advice would be, you know, drive a car you can pay cash for. That's reliable and gets you places like a, like a Honda Accord, like a Camry, like just a basic, you know, little car. Or if you really have to, you really don't have money and you got to do it, you know, an auto payment on one of those, that's no more than 10 to 15% of your, uh, of your income. But if you if you can avoid a car payment, do it at all costs because it goes down in value. And there's no shame in driving a, a a used car until you get to a place where you can be fancy. And I think your investments, if you're investing for yourself in the future, whether that's, you know, into real estate or you're into um, obviously you know, 401k, a Roth IRA, you have a SEP, whatever your vehicle is, investing 15 to 20% of your income after you're, you're out of debt, right? Because I'm not a huge debt fan. We've had people on the podcast before talk about leveraging debt and I understand how that works and you can build wealth doing it but it's whatever your risk tolerance is and whatever helps you sleep at night and for me personally I could be more inspired and I could be more helpful to people and I could be more generous and I could show up better when I didn't have debt hanging over my head that's just me the other things I would tell anybody like I said before live as cheap as you can as long as you can especially if you're young if you're young and you're single or you're young and you're dating um, you don't gotta flex dude you don't got to um, look like you're something you're not. And I think I'm going to speak for all the young men out there. Dudes do this. Um, it's like a, whose dick is biggest, right? It's an ego thing. They want to look fancy to a, to get a, a girl or a guy or whatever, you know, your dating is. They do that before they can really do it. You know, they lease a car they can't really afford. They, they wear clothes that are, you know, on credit cards and they're taking people out to dinners and maybe living in places that are way beyond their means to impress a female or to impress a male and to, to get a partner or just to, to hook up because dudes are savages. And I think that's the opposite of what you should do because that person now does not have a realistic idea of who you are and you're just fronting. And that fake it till you make it stuff is the biggest bunch of fucking bullshit that anybody has ever, ever taught anybody else. I would tell you this, and this is me, just this is my own personal dating advice here. If you drive a shittier car, pick them up in your shittier car, dude. Wear the normal clothes you want to wear that you can afford. Take them to a place that's not going to break the bank for you. And if you meet a partner, guy, girl, whatever, and they want to be with you in your shittier car, in your basic clothes, knowing you have no money, and you like them, and they like you, and you have a great relationship, and you share common interests, and you have certain values that align, you won. That's winning. And I share that because I met my wife, and we've shared this before on here. I had no money. I actually had debt. I had um, care credit because I had LASIK eye surgery, and I didn't have enough money to pay for it. And care credit's like the interest-free shit, so I knew I could pay it off um, like in six months. And I, I got that just before I moved here. I had no job. None. I'm living with two roommates in an upstairs bedroom paying 450 bucks a month. And it's about 200 fucking degrees up there. And uh, that's when I met my wife. And I bought her a Bud Light at a bar. And it was five bucks. And I had, bought, had a panic attack. So I'm like, fuck, dude, I didn't budget for this. But uh, she stuck with me, dude. And um, that's a real one. 
You know, I didn't lie to her and say I was super successful and I drove a, a fancy car and I was in a transition phase, but I really had money and I had my life figured out. I'm like, I'm a, I met her. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm fit. Um, but I'm a fucking idiot. I don't know anything about anything and I don't have any money and I can't offer you anything other than I can be nice to you. And, uh, we can do fitness activities outside, like go hiking or play basketball. Cause I can't take you out to fancy dinners. First place we went to was Kona grill, uh, fashion square mall. And, uh, I'm sure the bill was like probably 30, 40 bucks. And that was a lot for me. Um, I sure as hell didn't get a drink. I promise you that my point is don't do the fake it till you make it stuff. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Don't try to impress people by stuff and material things unless that's a, a charade you want to fucking keep up the rest of your life. Just be who you are. Now, if you really can drive a Benz and you really live in a $3 million house and that's who you are, then respect. Then show that too. But if you can't do it yet, don't do it. The other thing I would tell people is if you're struggling to make money or make ends meet or get out of debt, side hustles are a game changer here. The internet is a gift. You know, I talk shit about it a lot, a lot, jokingly, like social media and all the weird things that go on. But man, it has afforded me opportunities that would not exist today. I can talk to all of you guys. You can watch me. You can see me. We have the app. We have all the things that it's given me. If you're passionate about something, you're willing to put in the work, you can do a side hustle on the internet, flipping stuff, talking about things, creating a personal brand. There's a million avenues to go, starting an Etsy store or whatever. And you can make an extra ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a year if you're willing to put in the work. And that can go a long way for you getting out of debt, for you investing in the future, so eventually you can get and have and go all the places you want to go. And honestly, everybody's hiring. So if you want to do that, you can do that too. And I would tell you to have a plan for the next three, five, ten years. Even if it changes and none of it pans out, you invested the money into your future self and into your life, and you can take advantage of it. And it's the old um you know, Warren Buffett quote, especially how the world's been the last couple of years, you know, you're, you're fearful when people are greedy and uh, you're greedy when they're fearful. So you just, you be patient, you really think things through. And then when opportunity strikes, you can, you can get a fire sale on stuff or take advantage of, you know, other people's stupidity oftentimes. And I hate that that happens, but it's the truth. So I bought my first condo. The guy bought it for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars more than me and foreclosed on it. And I got to pick it up for pennies. And that's what started a lot of this too. And that's what you do when you're patient and you're not, you know, doing things that you can't really afford to do yet. Because what that does when you have money and you have invested in the future for yourself, you bought yourself some flexibility in terms of where you work and how you work. You bought yourself some freedom. Um, you bought options for sure. You've bought yourself less stress. I can promise you that. And, uh, It'll help you sleep at night. At least I know it does me. And a lot of kids, man, shit, even a lot of older folks, they'd rather cry and be stressed in their Mercedes than be smiling and be happy in their Hondas. I'll repeat that again. There's a lot of kids, man, and even older people who would be much happier if they did what made them feel best as opposed to trying to look good for everybody else, which I touched on. A lot of people would rather just cry and be stressed in the Mercedes than be happy and smiling in a Honda because they don't want to, quote unquote, not look like a success to the outside world or to their peers or to their family. And that's perception versus reality. And I talk about this sometimes in other episodes about the guy who lives in a mansion versus the guy in the trailer park. Sometimes 
they aren't that different, you guys. Sometimes the guy in the mansion is, is living check to check too. He just makes way more money and has way nicer shit. And the guy in the trailer park just doesn't make as much money and doesn't have as nice as stuff. But their lifestyles aren't that much different. And the stressors oftentimes of the guy living in the awesome house are more than the guy living in the trailer park. And it's just little decisions, but it's the perception versus the reality. The problem is people care about the perception too much to win as opposed to be happy. And I think that's a chronic mistake that we like to make. And the internet sometimes paints a, a picture that's not in touch with reality. You know, if you drive a, a $10,000 car with a multi-million dollar net worth, people think you're broke. If you drive a $100,000 car, but you have a 10K net worth, people think you're rich. And that's fucking foolish. I'll say that one more time so you catch it. If you drive a $10,000 car, like probably about this 08 Honda Accord here, and you have a multi-million dollar net worth, people will probably think you're broke. If you drive a $100,000 Range Rover, but you really have a 10K net worth, people will think you're rich. And to me, that's just foolish. It doesn't make any sense. Would you rather look like you're winning or would you rather be winning? And sadly, I think oftentimes because of some value systems that are implanted in your brain, some people would rather look like they're winning than actually be winning. Personally, I'd rather just win. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. I'm willing to eat shit. I'm willing to drive crappier cars if that's what it took for me to get here. And I wouldn't have done it any other way. Again, I met my wife in these shitty cars and she drove a shitty car. So um, that's when you know you got a real one, right? And uh, I think oftentimes people think the flexing, right, and the showing off is driving a Ferrari. But to me, the real flex is driving the Camry, you know, because if you got it, it doesn't matter. You know, deep down, you could buy whatever you want. You're just choosing to do this versus trying to look like a success to the outside world to make up for some, uh, I don't know, shortcoming you have or, or lack of self-confidence or not having a self-awareness. And again, when you can afford to do it, enjoy it, dude. Love it. Spend your money on the shit that makes you happy because it is far too short to never enjoy your money. I got some people here. They drive Rolls Royces. They drive McLarens. They drive Ferraris. They drive Lambos. They drive Bentleys. Some of them drive most of those cars. They can afford it. They're older. They have worked for many years. They have been very financially successful. They have made a lot of the right decisions. They didn't drive those cars their whole life, but now they do. And they fucking love them. And they're car people. And that's awesome. I am all for that. You need to enjoy your money. But not until you can. And usually, it's not when you're younger. It's not when you're figuring things out. It's not when you're building wealth. And it sure as hell isn't when you're broke. Now, I need to say this um, as I drove this car here. And I try to give you guys full transparency and everything. Um, my dad sent me a message um, early 2021. And I'm pretty transparent with him about how things go here with business and stuff, even though he's not a fitness guy and doesn't understand a lot of the nuances and is not an Instagram internet uh, person. I, um, <clears throat> I was talking to him and he's like, hey man, when are you going to get a, a better car? 
Like what? Like what are you doing? He's like, you know, you're you're getting old. He's like to me, he's like, you're getting old. You're making money. He's like, life's too short to just drop a piece of piece of shit your whole life. I think that's what he said word for word. And uh, that kind of hit me different. He's like, you could be dead tomorrow. And he's right. Um, I could be, but I've been happy in this car too. And uh, so he he prompted me. I'm like, he he is right in that in that regard. There comes a point where you can't be a you know, Scrooge McDuck, uh, your whole life, you got to actually enjoy your money and it's fun. And that's why you work hard, man, you know, to own your things, but to make sure your things obviously don't own you. And, uh, so he talked me into, um, checking out the, the, the new Ford Broncos, like the big body, uh, Sasquatch, uh, bigger engines. And, uh, I had actually, um, reserved one, uh, January of 2021, but obviously COVID the pandemic, chip shortages, hardtop issues, everything else. So I don't even have a build date for it um, <laughs> or anything. So I was trying to get a fancier car. And honestly, like I was trying to get a used uh, one like that, but uh, that doesn't exist. And the crazy thing is now because of the pandemic, used shit is ex- more expensive than some of the new shit that I would like, which is insane to say. So um, I did about six months ago um, pick up a used F-150 from a guy in our community here. Um, long story short, he ordered a new F-250, took a year to come. He has a 16-year-old daughter. He loves his truck. He took his kids home, um, one of his kids home from the hospital in it, but he does have a 16-year-old daughter and uh, she won't drive it. It's too big. It's a big body F-150. Um, it sits a little bit higher up. It's got the huge mud tires. It's a badass uh, truck. And I drove trucks as a kid, obviously in the Midwest, uh, all through the winters. And so I did, um, buy a nine-year-old F-250 um, from him about six months back. And it's, um, I think it's pretty sweet, you know, for me. I'm a basic dude. I'm from the Midwest, you know. I just, I don't afford is about as fancy as, as I need to get. But I did pick that up. So I do drive that sometimes now uh, to work. And uh, so I guess that's my new nine-year-old truck. But he, I think he just wanted to get rid of it and didn't want to deal with people on Craigslist. So I met him at a, I met him at his bank. I paid him cash for it. And in Arizona, honestly, when you buy a vehicle from an individual, you don't pay any of the fees. There's no sales tax. So if you agree on a price, you just agree on a price. And honestly, um, I didn't pay that much more for it than my, my Honda was years ago. So maybe I'll drive this for the next 15 years too. So again, that's me, you guys. Um, I'm not a car person. It was never my thing. I like to spend money on experiences and time and comforts and, and fancy $6 coffees. But I share all this not to, to to push you one way or another, but just to really understand there's little decisions you can make in your life that can change the trajectory of things you can do when opportunity arises. And if you look at people who, you know, have done well, it's probably because not necessarily that they made a shit ton of money. There's not that many people that make half a million dollars a year. There just aren't. But there's people who are making a decent amount of money and they were smart with it and they made a couple of decisions that changed the game for them. And I share this because you guys can do the same thing. But you have to stop the keeping up with the Joneses shit. You don't want to be stressed and you don't want to work a job you hate to pay for shit that you don't need and you don't want to work a job you hate trying to look fucking rich. It's just stupid. And I share that quote all the time from Fight Club, if you guys are familiar. You know, people are out there buying things or honestly financing things that they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't like. And that's when the things you own end up owning you. You don't want to be house poor. You don't want to be car poor. You want to have money be 
a gift in your life, not a curse. And when you're living in that comparison stuff with friends and family and, and even the internet, that's, that's not reality. That's someone's curated, you know, best life they're showing you. Um, very few people are going to take a picture sitting on their 08 Accord, which I'm about to post on Instagram in about 20 minutes for you. And I don't want you to feel trapped that you can't change your financial station. And I'm not a money guy. I'm not way happier now than I was when I was broke. And I'm the first one to tell you that. I'm not way happier today than I was when I was broke. However, it's made certain things easier in my life. It's made me be able to sleep a little bit better. I don't panic when when certain things go wrong. I, uh, I have a different sense of security I never had as a kid. And maybe that's why I kind of got on this journey because I didn't want to feel the way I felt growing up. Because you can sense when your your parents have money issues and money is tight and you don't have the same opportunities. And I wanted to be generous with my time. I wanted to be generous with my money. I wanted to be able to adopt families and help people and give away t-shirts and hats and gift memberships and scholarship people who are completely broke. And I knew I couldn't do that if I didn't have any money. And so I'm using it as a tool, as a blessing in my life to give back to other people instead of just indulge on a bunch of shit. But it's your right. If you want to go ball out, ball out, dude. I'm just sharing with you my journey. But if you're broke and your things end up owning you, you can't do that. That's not a life anybody wants to live. And sometimes a simple downgrade in your bills and expenses and giving up some of that fancier stuff is an upgrade in your freedom and happiness. I go back to the people who would want to, you know, they're crying in their Ferrari, but they'd be smiling and happy in a Honda. Sometimes downgrading stuff that doesn't cost as much can be an upgrade in your freedom and happiness. And eventually, if you do it right, you can have it all. It just takes time, effort, and planning. And doing something today that your future self is going to thank you for. And investing in things that pay you interest versus paying interest to somebody else. Make yourself rich. Don't make all these companies rich. I hope that helps you guys again. This is just my story of what's worked for me. And uh, it's not a sexy one. A lot of people don't want to drive, you know, a beat up car for... Um, over a decade when they could quote unquote uh, afford a lot of other things. But that was the, um, I guess that's what I gave up, right? Like that's what I sacrificed. That was my quote unquote struggle. And uh, I didn't think it's that big a deal. And admittedly, there's times where it would, you'd see something that you'd like and like, oh, that kind of sucks. I'm driving this piece of shit. But honestly, now it's the longer I, I drive it, the, the bigger the legend grows. And it's almost like I love it even more. Um, which bothers Heather to her course. Like, when are you going to sell it? I'm like, this thing, I might die with this thing. Um, I don't know. But hopefully that helped you guys again. These are simple things you can do. The, the power of compound interest is real. The power of investing in things that appreciate uh, over time, investing in yourself, investing in your business, investing in your skill set. You have the opportunity to take way more chances when you do that. But if you're always paying that out to other people, cars, credit card companies, giant mortgages, all these other things, you're not as inclined to take a chance on yourself. And then you kind of get stuck doing something and you feel like there's no way out. When you have less expenses and you have more money, you do have some freedom to live a life that a lot of people can't really live right now. So hopefully that helps you guys. If you have any questions, as always, just ask again. Uh, just my kind of story. And the hope was just to share it and know you do have options and 
you can do a lot of things in your life if you just make this decision versus that decision. And sometimes it's a simple thing is just driving the shit of your car for a little bit longer. So again, if you guys want to check out the um, the challenge we got going on, it's uh, I'll put it in my Instagram bio. It'll be rocking here. We kick off on July the 11th is the start date. So 16 days from right now, it's jeremyscottfitness.app slash challenge. It's five weeks. It's our Sunday events, Metcons, mixed in with our mandatory mobility. Um, it's full program format. You train one day, mobility one day, train one day, mobility one day, and it's going to be legit. And if the grand prize winner, well, you get to come out here to Scottsdale, hang out with us, stay at a super sick resort that costs a lot of money. And we fly you here for free. We pay for everything. And I'm happy to do that for you guys. And, uh, just another example of me being able to be generous with uh, with my time and money because these simple decisions here. And if you guys want to sample Athletic Greens, obviously hit me up. All the other podcast sponsors are in the show notes, and you guys can check them out from there. So I thank you guys as always. And uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, drop it a five-star, leave a comment. If you're on Spotify, drop it a five-star, I'd appreciate it. And if you think this weird story can help anybody, um, be smarter with money. If you're a parent and you got a kid, um, Maybe share it with them. Maybe they'll listen to a knucklehead like me. Because I know right now in my heart, I would much rather own the things I own today and be in the financial position I'm in right now than to have driven a fancy sports car or a luxury SUV or a super fancy pickup over the last decade. I I didn't miss anything by doing that. It, no opportunities like, like you know didn't come my way. Nothing was different. I still would have got to work the same way. The only difference is... I have literally hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars because I didn't do that. And it's not that hard to do. And everybody can learn from that and everybody can do that if they really choose to. It's a small, small sacrifice for a monster payout that is going to benefit you the rest of your life. So thank you as always. Until next time, you guys eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.